we join in prayer. God, we thank you for sending Jesus to come, conquer sin, death, to, to introduce your kingdom, to make your kingdom available to us. We thank you that, that you have sent Jesus to us through your word, through your sacrament, to bring us into that kingdom. Build us up in him as we contemplate and consider his word. Build us up in him that, that we might receive Jesus as the good Samaritan and, and then go out and share him. Uh, that as we would imitate him, that, that we would grow in neighborliness to those around us. Guide us, for Jesus' sake, amen. Well, we're continuing our series on Hey Neighbor. We're looking at uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, Who is My Neighbor? Uh, last week we looked at, you know, where do we fit into the story of the Good Samaritan? Last week we looked at the view from the ditch and uh, saw that Jesus is the Good Samaritan, and he comes down to where we are, and he rescues, he bandages, he heals, and uh, uh, gives us new life. Uh, today in the message, we want to consider where we are in relationship to some of the other figures uh, in that story, and uh, to think about how that impacts us, or how it points out our shortfalls in, in our neighborliness to others. Are you a good neighbor? Are you not a good neighbor? Are you an invisible neighbor? Are you a helpful neighbor? Do you suffer from neighborlylessness? You just go in and kind of cocoon yourself. Uh, we're going to think about that uh, this morning in the message. As part of our series, we are spending some extra time in it this time. We're calling it a Hey Neighbor moment. I want to have some kind of extended announcements about things that are going on in the congregation, through the congregation. I've asked Carolyn Fabro to say a few words to us this morning. She's especially responsible for some of our outreach ministries and involvement uh, uh, of members within the congregation. Uh, you know, when you look around, think about neighbors, who is my neighbor? As you look around, we're neighbors one to another within the congregation. We have a uh, certain needs from each other, certain responsibilities, and uh, Carolyn's going to help us to think about that. So Carolyn, if you would, please. Every service, you may notice the people who are here to help make it run smoothly. The greeters welcoming you to the building, the ushers handing out the service bulletins, and the scripture readers reading our lessons during the service. There are also people you may not see, like our coffee hosts, who make sure our post-service snacks are ready for us, or our Bible class teachers, who are helping others learn and understand God's word. Or throughout the week, there are people helping to organize and run our ministries, like the Coat Bank, where we give away 500 to 700 to 1,000 coats every winter, or a community kitchen, where we serve over 100 people a meal every week. And we have Bible classes throughout the week for men and women and children with our discipleship training, and home groups where people come together and dive deeper into God's Word. All of these areas are always looking for more people to become involved. So if you have ever felt like you want to start getting involved or become more involved over what you're already doing, we have created a virtual involvement survey. You can find the survey at surveymonkey.com slash r slash involved at St. Luke or look for it in your email the week of September 24th. We will also have paper copies available in case that's easier for you. 
The survey will take about two minutes to complete and will help us make sure we can keep things running smoothly. If you have any questions, feel free to ask any member of the staff or call the church office and we'll make sure to get you the answer that you need. Thank you. All right, thank you, Carolyn, for your work and ministry, appreciate that. Well, so what kind of a neighbor are you? Good neighbor, bad neighbor, involved neighbor, uh, absent neighbor? Do you suffer from neighborlessness? We're going to explore that just a little bit today. Uh, what kind of a neighbor are you? Are you this kind of a neighbor? Watch this. Well, hey, neighbor. Oh, hey, Harry. Oh, beautiful morning the Lord's <laughs> blessed us with, huh? Uh, yeah, right. Oh, great day to be out mowing the lawn, bless the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up kind of early, ain't you? Well, it's not like I had much of a choice, did I? <laughs> My raking didn't wake you up, did it? <laughs> No, Harry, it wasn't your raking. It was your lawnmower. You realize it's 7 a.m.? Already? Boy, you're getting a late start, ain't you, sleepyhead? What? Rise and shine, that's what I always say. Rise and shine. Whatever. Oh. So, what you gonna do today? Harry, I have no idea what I'm gonna do today. I'm not even fully awake yet. I'm just, I'm just looking for the morning paper. Oh, uh, well, I got your paper over at my house. I knew you were sleeping, so I didn't think you'd mind. As soon as I'm done with the sports section, I'll bring it right over. Maybe we can have a morning cup of coffee together. No, no, that's okay, Harry. You, you just keep it. Are you sure? Y yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm blessed. That's right neighborly of you. Yeah. Hey, Bob. What, Harry? When I'm talking with the Lord later today, I'm going to thank him for blessing me with such a good neighbor. I'd like to have a conversation with God about my neighbor myself. <laughs> I hope you're blessed in all you do today. I'm sure you do, Harry. I'm sure you do. <laughs> all right, thank you. You know, there's a proverb about that situation. Do you know that proverb? Uh, the Bible says, if a man blesses his neighbor loudly in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> yeah. Well, what kind of a neighbor are you? I hope you're not that kind of a neighbor. Uh, how are you loving and caring people in and around your neighborhood, at work, uh, in a sports team, as a follower of Jesus? Uh, that's what we're going to explore this morning, especially we'll explore how it is that we need Jesus to come and to cleanse us from where we fall down that we might be built up to indeed love God above all and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, we're looking at the Good Samaritan. We had a different translation read today, and that translation has at least a, a couple of statements in it that are very helpful. The first is it calls the guy who was questioning Jesus a religion scholar. Uh, a lot of the translations translate that as a, uh, um, as a lawyer. 
Now, it's not a lawyer like we think about a, a civil lawyer. It's, it's, well, like a religious scholar. He was an expert in, in the Word and the law of God and, and trying to apply that. And so he's called a religious scholar. That's, that's a, a good part of that translation. Another thing that it says in that is he came out to test Jesus. It said that what he was really doing was looking for a loophole. He wasn't really trying to love God above all and his neighbor as his self. He was looking for a loophole. He was thinking about, well, what's the least I really need to do in the sight of God? What kind of a neighbor is that? What kind of a neighbor are you? you know, are, are you looking to see what's the least I need to do to be a good Christian in my community? So Jesus told a story. And in this story, Jesus exposes the many weaknesses that we have as neighbors. You know, last week we were looking at uh, the person in the ditch. Today we want to look at some of the other characters that Jesus uh, speaks about in the parable or in the story of the Good Samaritan. He talked about the, the fellow that went down and he fell among the thieves and the robbers. Now the thieves and the robbers uh, had a certain kind of self-interest. That's what I want you to see, that sin is self-interest. You know, there are a lot of different words for sin. We might say sin is to, uh, to miss the mark. Uh, we could say that sin is to trespass. Uh, we could say that sin is pride. We could say that sin is rebellion against God. Uh, we can also say that at the heart of sin is self-interest. I'm thinking about me. I'm concentrating on me. I'm focused on me. I'm not loving God above all things. I'm not loving my neighbors as myself. I'm just loving me. Uh, we have any, any number of ways that we're encouraged to this very kind of behavior throughout our culture. Jesus exposes the problems of that, uh, examples of that, like the fellows that beat the man up. Uh, they suffered from a certain kind of self-interest. They were exploiting others for personal gain. In the recent hurricane and the aftermath, we see people doing that, exploiting others for personal gain. We see people looting. Uh, we see people price gouging uh, gas and, and uh, uh, water. We see people, and I, uh, I don't mean to, uh, to be cynical in any way about this. I'm not really being cynical in, in this. But you see the posturing of people in the media or the posturing of some politicians. And, and you think to yourself, well, they're not really concerned about the people. They're, they're exploiting that situation for their own benefit. Where is that in your life? Instead of loving your neighbor as yourself, are you exploiting your neighbor in any way, the people around you, for yourself, for your own gain? We see some religious people. There's the priest and the Levite, and they failed to help. Uh, they too are suffering from self-interest. They're avoiding others because of personal cost. Uh, they don't want to give of themselves. They don't want to get involved. And so they're more concerned about themselves, who they are, and what they have. So they don't want to share that in any way. As we look at this, uh, you know, in, in, in the church we talk about sins of commission and sins of omission. We might say that that top one, exploiting others for, for personal gain, would be a sin of commission. We do something to somebody else for our good. 
The other one, avoiding others because of personal cost, that'd be a sin of omission. We failed to do something for somebody else for our own benefit. Uh, for instance, and I don't know the detail on this, so, uh, but, but we hear reports about some people suffering because other uh, leaders or other uh, people in, in charge of things didn't do the right things to care for the people. They omitted doing that. How about in your life? Are there places in your life where you could have been helping, where you should have been helping, that you could have given a hand? Jesus, as we look at this, can expose for us in our own lives uh, the same problem that that the uh, religious scholar had, and that's that we suffer from self-interest. And that's exactly what that fellow was suffering from because he, he, he was looking for a loophole. He was trying to just skate by saying, what's the least I need to do? What's, what's the minimum that I have to do so that God would love me and the people around me would like me? What's the least that I need to do? It is good for us as we look at this uh, uh, story, this parable, to, to think about our own lives. Where is the neighborly lessness in our lives? Are we doing something? Are we failing to do something? Are we just trying to skate by? What kind of neighbor are we? In the recent storms, haven't we seen the best and the worst of people? Uh, the storms in, in Texas, the storms in Florida, we've seen, we've seen the best in people. We've seen people help people in their time of need. They, they brought their boats down and they're boating down Main Street and helping people out of their homes and rescuing people. We've seen the best of people. We've seen people volunteering in the shelters giving of their time and their energy to go and help people that have been displaced. We've seen pictures of of firemen and policemen carrying people's dogs and cats. Did anybody hear somebody called the Good Samaritan this last week? I didn't hear that on the news, but often in these kinds of situations, someone gets called the Good Samaritan. We have seen the best in people as people are recovering from the storm, but we've also seen the worst in people, looting, price gouging, posturing to get uh, recognition. Here's the thing that, that it looks like people have forgotten about life today. You know, when we do wrong, there's always one of these around, isn't there? When you're looting, when you're gouging, to know that someone is watching, someone sees. I think about King David. You know, David was, was a good guy in a lot of ways, King David was. Uh, he was a great king. He was a successful king. He was a, a valiant military leader. He was quite a poet, wrote all of those psalms. But David suffered from self-interest. Uh, that event with David and Bathsheba, David wasn't interested in Bathsheba. I mean, He was interested in her, but he wasn't really interested in her. He was interested in himself and his own pleasure. And so David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he had her husband Uriah killed. He wasn't thinking about the army. He wasn't thinking about the kingdom. He was thinking about himself. He sent Uriah to the front line, had people pull back, and Uriah was killed. David thought nobody was watching, nobody noticed. Nathan came out, 
The prophet Nathan came out to David and, and uh, uh, told David this story. Clearly, David hadn't been loving God above all things. He hadn't been loving his neighbor as himself. David had been loving just himself, thinking about himself, self-interest. And, and Nathan told him the story about the man. He said, hey, David, there was this guy. He had this one little lamb. Oh, he loved the lamb. He cared for the lamb. It was dear to him. And and another fella came, I mean, you just heard the story, another fella came and, and confiscated that and, and uh, took that away. And, and David was filled with all kind of umbrage. And he said, that man should die. And remember what Nathan said? He said, you're that man. David was cut to the quick. He was fully exposed for being driven by self-interest. He came to understand the sin that it was and he cried to God to have mercy upon him. And God had mercy upon him. God forgave David. God took David's sin away and he was restored. Do you remember what else happened though in that? Do you remember what happened to David's son? He died. The son to David and Bathsheba died. David was set free, but his son died. As we hear God's word, as we think about neighborliness, as, as, as we consider self-interest, we need to hear this word to us. For we suffer from self-interest. We're driven by self-interest. We live in a culture of self-interest. We live in a culture that says you need to think first about yourself. We live in a culture that wants us to have self-actualization. Uh, we live in a culture that wants us to have self-exploration, self-definition. We live in a culture that encourages us not to think about the things of God, not to think about the things about the nature, the neighbor, but to think about ourselves. We need to hear God say to us, you are that man. And that, that's sin. But the good news is that God sent Jesus, the greater son of David. And in and through Jesus, you and I are forgiven. The greater son of David died that you and I would be cleansed, that you and I would have our sin taken away, and that we would be restored. Here we are busy looking for loopholes. What's the least I need to do? How can I get away with things? We're looking for loopholes, and God in Christ Jesus came to fill a chasm. He sent Jesus. There's this great gulf between uh, us and God. There's a great gulf between what God desires and our behavior. And Jesus came and fulfilled it all. He cared for it. He undid the work of the, of the thief. He overcame the, the non-work of the priest and the Levite. He's overcome the things you've done and the things you haven't done. And He has fulfilled the law of God on your behalf and mine. He did that by being other-centered. That's what love is. Love is to be other-centered. The opposite of love is not so much hate, the opposite of love is, is self-centered. But our Jesus is fiercely committed to our well-being no matter what it cost, and it cost Him His life. He has loved us like no other.
And as He comes and as He loves us, that's to set us free from self-interest, to set us free from sins of omission and sins of commission, that we might indeed to a greater degree love God above all things and be set free to love our neighbors as ourselves. You know, if we, if we say we don't have a problem with this, we're just kidding ourselves. You know, we look at the looters on TV, we look at the price gougers on TV, and we go, oh, look at those people. But the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But God is faithful and just. If we confess our sin, He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this day we want to come before God and, and, and uh, uh, confess our self-interest, our self-centeredness, and let Him take it away. And be certain that He does. We heard that in the second lesson. This is from 1 John chapter 2. It says, But if anyone does sin, and we sin much and sin daily, we have an advocate with a Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He has filled the chasm. He has overcome our sin. He is the propitiation, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to turn away from self-interest and to look to God who has loved you with an everlasting love and to indeed love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' love for us sets us free to be a neighbor. Uh, He's serious about that. We're, We're going to look at that in some more detail down the road. But today we want to go this far, that we would come, acknowledge our sin before God, have it cleansed, and be picked up and sent out into the world. This is not an invitation to self-righteousness. Oh, look at now, I am a great neighbor to others around. This is not an invitation to self-righteousness, look at me, but rather it's an invitation to imitation. That even as He has loved us, that we would love those around us. Not that we'll get this right 100% of the time, but that we should indeed love our neighbor nonetheless. Nonetheless.